share a couple things with you. One, if you're watching online, we encourage you to uh, put a thumbs up or comment, thank you, at uh, infocccmurphy.com and let us know you're there. For those that are here today, I want to announce that next week I'm going to be doing a message on signs and seasons. And you want to make sure to be here for that, invite a friend. There are things that are happening. How many of you know that the Lord's return is imminent? He's coming back. You, you understand that? He's coming back. And so there have always been signs and seasons of his return, but we, we have hit a unique place in our history where everything is happening at once. And I want to show you, if I can, uh, next week that we may be uh, a lot closer than we realize, but it's not a time to wring your hands. It's a time to lift your hands and give God thanks for all he's doing. <clears throat> I want to speak to you today from the book of Matthew, or Mark, rather, I'm sorry. If you have your Bibles, go with me there to Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 34. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five loaves, we've got two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. Let's pray together today. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity that you give us to gather together. Lord, we pray, Father, for those that are here, and God, for those that are listening online. We just ask you to touch them, God, and keep them. We live in a unique time that we've never had to navigate before, and we understand that the only way we can navigate this is with you, and so we honor you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach to you for just a little while on this topic, green pastors. Would you say that with me? Green pastors. Say it one more time, green pastors. So let me share what's going on. Jesus has sent the disciples out to go minister. They've gone out, and man, they're excited. I mean, they're healing people. They're casting demons out of folks, and, you know, they're having a successful ministry moment. And... While that's all going on, people come in and they bring Jesus' word that John the Baptist has been beheaded. He's been murdered by Herod. 
John was not just the prophet that pointed out and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John was a cousin to Jesus. And so now Jesus has this hit him. The disciples are coming back telling about everything that they've been doing. And he looks at them and he said, Look, guys, let's, let's go find a quiet place so we can go there and rest. It had been so busy where they were, people coming in and going out, that they couldn't even get anything to eat. How many of you have ever experienced that before? If you ever worked in a restaurant, man, sometimes during rush hour, you're back there flipping burgers or doing whatever it is you're doing, and everybody else is eating, but you're not. So every once in a while, you take a bite out of a burger and send it out. No, you don't. You don't do that. It's just, so it's, uh, but you know, they're, they're struggling trying to, find time for themselves. How many of you have ever felt a little overwhelmed before and just felt like you needed some time to breathe? Just take a deep breath. Go. And then when you finally get relaxed, you get a phone call find out you got to go back because something's happened or somebody's in trouble and it's just like you sometimes you feel like man there's just no place to rest that's what happened to Jesus Jesus takes off they get in a ship and they take off and as they're sailing the people that are there see him going and I want you to I, I, I want you really to get a picture of this in your mind they take off chasing him along the seashore they are so desirous to be with him that they're running along the side of the seashore following that boat, and they're determined not to let Jesus out of their sight. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time that you ran after Jesus like that? When's the last time that you got so hungry for God that you ran after God? A lot of times what we do is we come into church, you know, if the weather's okay. We, we show up if it's convenient. We, I'm not picking at anybody. I'm just saying if we're not careful, this is what happens to us. We fall into routines instead of relationships, and our fervor for God becomes less passionate than it was when we first met him. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves drifting from him rather than going, getting closer to him. Can somebody shout amen? amen? I don't want that to happen in my life. I had that happen to me before. I remember a time in my life, and I would look, man, I was preaching revival. I was, I was on the road, but I'm telling you that all of a sudden I felt like something was missing. There was, there was like a, 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 I don't know, I, I bought a puzzle a few years ago, and I haven't bought one since. I want to tell you why. I was putting this puzzle together. It was a beautiful picture. So the way I do a puzzle is I always create the outline first. I always get all the outline of it. I'm going through, you know, and I go, I think this is like a thousand-piece puzzle or something. I'm getting all the outline in, and then all of a sudden I'm looking, and I'm missing two pieces for the outline. And I'm, I'm, I, I've gone through every piece of that puzzle twice, and I'm thinking, I can't believe it. I spent all this time putting this thing together, and they didn't even give me all the pieces in the box. I took it back. 
told them, this, so they said, do you want another one? I didn't say this. I thought, are you out of your mind? <laughs> How do I know that I'm going to get all the, no, this is what I want you to do. I want you to open up that puzzle and you put all the border around it and make sure it's there and then I'll buy that puzzle. That sounds reasonable, doesn't it? How many of you have ever just been frustrated? You know what I'm talking about? And it's like, you know, you're, you're trying to get things together. You know, you, the old saying is you got all your ducks in a row and somebody declared it was duck season. And man, it just, you know, and everything just blows up. And, and so Jesus is trying to find a place to get away and rest. And these people come after him. Hey, Do you ever send a neighborhood kid home? You know what I'm talking about? They came over to play with your kids. Anybody ever do that? I, let me tell you what happened when I, was, when I was little. There was this boy that wanted to come and play with me. He was, I, I, was, I was a little older than he was, but he was, you know, he, he, we went to church, and he came over to the house, and he wanted to play, and I promise you, it looked like he'd been rolling in the dirt. He didn't have a shirt on. He had on a pair of shorts. He was filthy, man. I mean filthy. And he, he knocked at the door and he said, is Rick here? Is Rick here? My dad answered the door and he said, yes, he is. But if you want to play with him, go home and take a bath. I can't believe your dad said that. Well, dad didn't want him climbing all over the furniture and getting it all dirty. Everybody say, get it cleaned up. How many of you know sometimes we need to clean up? I told you last week, there was a time, I think it was last week I was talking about this. There's a time I was working, man, and I smelt this stench, and I thought, what is that? And I finally figured out it was me. And when, man, when you can't stand yourself, you know you've got problems, right? And so yeah, every once in a while, we just need to get it cleaned up. And so these folks are running after Jesus. He gets to the shore, and when he gets to the shore, they're all around I want you to notice what he doesn't do. He didn't step off and say, I want you all to get out of here. I need a little bit of time alone. Just, you know, give me some space to breathe, please. I've been praying for you people all day and all night, and I just want some time alone, okay? He didn't do that. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even send the disciples out there and say, go make up some excuse and tell them I can't see him right now. How many of you are secretary someplace? Anybody? Did you ever have to do that for your boss? Uh, he's busy right now. <laughs> Who is that? Oh, I don't want to talk to them. Uh, he can't come to the phone right now. He doesn't do that. What he does do is step out of the boat and begin to teach them. <laughs> The Bible said that he had compassion on them, that he looked at them and he saw that they needed something, so he begins to teach them. When's the last time that we gave of ourselves from a point of sacrifice rather than a point of overflow? I want you to think about it. From a point of sacrifice rather than a point of overflow. Jesus becomes the supreme sacrifice. He has come to give of himself. 
The good news about that is what that says to us is there's never a time that you can't touch him. Never a time that you can't reach him. Never a time that he's too busy to hear your prayer or to meet your need. Never a time that he turns you away. He's there for you. Everybody say it with me. He's there for me. He starts teaching them, and man, this goes on all day long. You ever have a birthday party for a kid? Okay, it's going to start at 4, and it's going to end at 4.15. Be here to pick your kids up at 4.15. No, but what, like an hour, and we're done, right? An hour, birthday. These folks have been here all day long. You know, when I, Debbie gets tickled at me because when the kids come over, you know, we don't see them as much as we used to, but they, they come over, you know, we'd be sitting around. And I, when I got tired, I'd, I'd get up and I'd start kissing everybody goodnight. <laughs> well, what are you doing? I'm going to bed is what I'm doing. <laughs> well, what, weren't you afraid it was going to hurt their feelings? No, they know me. When I'm tired, I go to bed. <laughs> Because you don't want me to stay up when I'm tired. <laughs> so I'd, I'd go kiss her. How many of you know that God doesn't get wore out? <laughs> There's never a time where he's done with you. Where, okay. You know, just, you know, think about this. You know, we come in here. Everybody's come in. We made a sacrifice to get here, right? And all of a sudden I get up and say, praise God, I'm glad you're all here. See you next week. <laughs> No, it's that you, you come for something. They chased him all along that seashore to get something, and he was not going to disappoint them. He began to pour into them, and as he poured into them, they gleaned from it. And they gleaned all day long. Finally, it gets up late in the afternoon, and the disciples go up to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, could you just send them away? I mean, man, it's late. I'm tired. I'm, you know, we're, they need to go get something to eat. Just, just send everybody away so they can go into the villages and go get something to eat. And he turns around and he looks at him and what's he say? You feed them. How many of you that would fly at your house? All of a sudden, fam, all, all the family shows up. You know, you got... 30 relatives showing up and, you know, and, and they just keep hanging out and hanging out and hanging out and, and praise God, we're so glad you're here. Don't you think you ought to go get something to eat? <laughs> no, you go up to your wife and you said, hey, uh, honey, go in the kitchen and whip something up for all these folks. I'm fixing to whip something up. <laughs> He doesn't do that. He looked at them and he told them, you feed them. And they said, with what? You want us to go out and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? I mean, we don't have that kind of money here. What, what do you want us to do? And he said, how many loaves do you have? How many of you have ever gone to God and acted like, God, I can't? I want you to think about this for a second. God asks you to do something, and we say, God, I can't. And then we start giving him the reasons that we can't. 
But there's a small thing that you're missing in that equation. It's that God created you. And if you tell him you can't, what you're saying to him is he's not sufficient as a creator. It's not about your inability. It's about the fact that we don't believe he's able to use us. And I'm telling you, God is powerful. God can use you in ways you never dreamed imaginable. If you'll just trust him. Everybody say, I trust you, Lord. Connie, you feel like going skating? She's nodding her head, yeah. You see, that's out of the realm of what we call physical possibility for us, but it's not out of the realm of God's ability. Don't you? I want you to get this. I want you to get to a place where when God speaks something to you, it's all right to stand up and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it, and believe that he's going to do just what he said he would do. And so he asked him, he said, well, how many loaves do you have? They come back and said, look, man, we got five loaves and two fish. And then he looked at him and he said, make them sit down in that green grass. Does that sound vaguely familiar to you? Does this passage ring a bell to you anyway at all? I mean, stop and think about what he did. He came to them. And it said he had compassion for them because they were like sheep that had no shepherd. They needed to be fed. They, the disciples wanted him to send them away, but he says, no, you feed them. You remember that little psalm called the 23rd Psalm that said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so here it is, Jesus comes the personification of God, and he steps into the role as the shepherd, and he says, we're going to take care of them. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He commands the disciples, make them set down on the green grass. And he says in the psalm, he maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. He restores my soul. So let's take a look at this. When I started looking at this, I thought, man, there's something about green pastors that God wants us to get. Because it shows up in the Old Testament in the psalm, and here's Jesus walking that Old Testament psalm out. Make them sit down in the green grass. So let's take a look at the word pastor and see what that means. The word pastor in Greek there, throw that up if you would. Are you, can you do that? Is anybody back there that can do that? The word pastor in Hebrew means a home, habitation, house, a pleasant place. It comes from a word that means to be at home, to be pleasant, to be beautiful. Everybody turn around and look at, well, never, let's not do that, okay. Take a look at yourself and say, you're beautiful. Just hold your hand up and... I was going to let you look at your neighbor and say that, but I was afraid it might make you feel. If you're comfortable looking at your neighbor and say, you're beautiful, just have at it. You're beautiful. And so what God is doing is here, God is showing us that he wants us to have a place, pastor, not a green field, but it's a home. It's a habitation, it's a dwelling place that's pleasant and beautiful. And he promises that to us. Everybody say, it's a green one. Yes. 
How many of you ever, think about if he'd said, uh, he maketh me lie down in deserted pastures. He maketh me lie down in dry deserts. No, he, le- he maketh me lie down in green pastures. The word green there means a sprout or grass. It comes from the word that means to sprout and bring forth. Everybody say spring forth. So God promises us green pastures and he says, I'm going to make you rest there. He promises us a habitation that's pleasant and beautiful He's going to cause us to grow there, and he's going to give us rest there. But now look at the fourth verse in the 23rd Psalm, because that almost seems like it's contradictory. Listen to what David says. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I want you to get this. Because what God is sharing with us and what he's revealing to us through the psalmist is this. You're not going to get through life without some tough times. You're not going to get through this life without having to walk some roads that are treacherous and dangerous. But here's the good news. You never have to walk that road alone. And that road can never take the peace of God from you. It can never take the beautiful home that he's established inside your heart. It can't stop you from growing and springing forth. Everybody say, no stopping me now. Listen to what the psalmist said. He said, look, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? He said, because you're with me. I want you to think about this. A wolf never attacks the sheep next to the shepherd. He tries to get them alone. So if you don't want to fall victim to the devil Stay close to the shepherd. The wolf never attacks the sheep next to the shepherd. Do you understand what this is speaking to us? Is we can't do this on our own. We need each other. We need to stay in a flock next to the shepherd. That's why the scripture said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is. And much more as you see the day approaching. What's he saying? He's saying the devil is out there like a roaring lion trying to devour you. But if you hang together and stay close to the shepherd, he can can't take you out he said thy rod everybody say rod is Karen in here yeah come on up here she went all the way home to get hers and of course it's not as big as mine it said come on up here it says thy rod and thy staff they come from me everybody say rod this is what the word rod means in Hebrew It means a stick for fighting. You ready? You should never got up here. (laughs) Just think because you're a woman. No, did you see that look on her face? I think there's some hidden hostility in this lady. She picked that up and she went, (laughs) here, this is what you got to get. He said, I'm walking through a valley of a shadow of death. I'm in a dangerous spot. I'm in a tight place, and there's evil all around me, but I'm not afraid of the evil. Why? Because my God carries a big stick. He's got a rod, and he uses it for fighting. He uses it for ruling, and he uses it for punishment. 
I talked about this in the last service. How many of you know the definition of a switch? <laughs> Hold your hand up if you understand what a switch is. If you look in the Webster's Dictionary, you'll see my mother's picture next to the word switch. Because nobody knew how to use a switch like my mama did. She had this unique way. <laughs> mama get upset and she'd go, you know, sometimes she'd give you the opportunity, but if she was really upset, you didn't get the opportunity. She'd look and she'd say, Daryl, go get me a switch. Daryl was my older brother that I'm still trying to forgive for getting that switch. <laughs> Have you ever been, had a switch used on you that had some recoil to it? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it could, it could be like a whip. I got out and left the yard without permission. We all did. Mom worked second shift. We left on our bicycles. We went bike riding. We would be back before mom got up, we thought. Went down a path. Felt big. I was on a big bike. The bike was bigger than I was. I hit a rut. <laughs> Threw me over the handles of the bike into the Fox River. I go back home soaking wet. Mom's awake. Mom's got a switch in her hand. Mom would not wait for me to go put on dry clothes before she started using that switch. Didn't I tell you? Ah! <laughs> I'm telling you, a switch in the right hand can inflict severe pain. I don't have to be afraid when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death because I'm not alone there. God is with me. He's got a rod in his hand that knows how to take care of business. Now, he's also got a staff. Everybody say a staff. The word staff there means a walking stick of support. Everyone say support. Run up here. You remember that song? Lean on me. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. That's not even a Christian song, folks. <laughs> okay. So what he's saying is this. It's when you go through this journey, there are going to be places that you have to travel that aren't pleasant. You're going to find some valleys that are filled with the shadow of death and evils there. But you don't have to be afraid because I'm going to be with you on that journey. I'm going to be your support. And if the enemy comes in, 
then like a flood, I'm going to raise up a standard against him. I'm telling you there's something that David is writing in that psalm that is speaking to every one of us, telling us, look, you may find yourself in some evil places. You may find the shadow of death trying to breathe down your neck. But in the midst of that, there's a God that'll make you grow. There's a God that'll cause you to spring forth, and he'll give you a habitation and a pleasant and beautiful place I've had people get upset with me before when I was talking about God because I I wouldn't yell back at him how many of you ever got folks talking about God and they got to yelling at you you know what I'm talking about and then you just you keep smiling at him and saying, "Well, praise God!" Just you know, and, they, and, and as the more you share God, and the more the calmer you stay, the more it agitates the devil. I don't have anything to prove. It's written, and if it's written, it's going to happen. So just stand on it. Everybody say, "I'm going to stand on it." I'm going to trust him to do what he said he was going to do in my life. I may not be in a place I want to be right now, but I've got a promise that there's green pasture that's got my name on it. He's going to cause me to rest there. He's going to make me spring up there and give me a place that's pleasant and beautiful. Everybody say, it'll happen. Well, how can you be so sure? Because he gives us... A, Examples all through scripture of it happening. How many of you remember a guy by the name of Joseph? Joseph was whose favorite? His father's favorite. Everybody say his father's favorite. Do you know, I don't want to make you jealous or anything, but I'm, my fa I'm, I'm the father's favorite. Y'all don't look too excited about that. Huh? You're his favorite. Who else is his favorite? Now, you see, this is what you got to understand. The Bible said that he keeps us as the apple of his eye. You know, my mom had five kids. I, I was the best one out of all five of them, but she loved us all the same. Isn't that the way we always feel? <laughs> you, know, I was the best, you know, but she loved us the same. Does that frustrate you? Can't you love me a little bit more? Can't you just, no, man, do you understand that when it comes to God, we are all his favorites, and God's got a promise for us. He wants to do something for us, but for him to do that, we've got to trust and believe him. Joseph has had a dream, but what do you do when your dreams seem like they're shattered? What do you do when all of a sudden everything you hope for seemed like it's not going to work out? Do you throw it away or do you trust God? Several years ago, we had some box, what are they called? Boxwood elders or boxwood, I don't know, whatever they're called. Boxwood, they're green bushes. Box elders, thank you. Box elder. It was green bush. We had a severe winter. Everybody say they died. I mean, man, they were dead. We talked about it, and I thought, well, we're going to have to plant something else out here. So that spring, I got the shovel out, and I was just getting ready to start digging them up and throwing them all away. And Debbie went out there, and she saw one or two 
little green leaves on the bottom of that box elder. And she said, well, hold, hold it, hold it. Don't dig it up. I said, the thing is dead. She said, but look, look at that little green leaf there. One little green leaf. She got excited about one little green leaf. Look at that one little green leaf there. And I'm thinking, man, this thing is dead. You know, it's got one green leaf. Big deal. She said, let's not, let's not do it. Let's not do it. And I thought, well, that means less work for me. Okay. <laughs> no, let's not dig them up now. Let's wait and see what happens. God is my witness. If you go to our house, matter of fact, some of you have been by our house. Those, all those green, all those box elders in the front of our house that are about so big and green were those little bushes that were dead and they were gone but somebody believed in them and said you know what I think they still got some life in them oh I hope you understand what I'm talking about when the devil wrote me off when my friends said I'd never amount to anything when the world said I'd cashed in all my chips and I was a loser God said, not yet, not yet. I still believe in that boy. I still believe in him. I'm going to nurture him. I'm going to give him an opportunity to find a green pasture where I can cause him to grow and to find a habitation that's beautiful and peaceful and pleasant. He still believes. I was at the gym the other day and I can't think of the guy's name that works there. I, I talk to him about the Lord all the time, and he came up to me, and he said, Rick, he said, I got a friend that's an atheist. What am I supposed to do? And I said, well, just keep loving him and keep sharing with him. And as I was getting ready to leave, a thought occurred to me, and I went to him, I think his name's Chris, I can't, yeah, Chris, I went to him and I said, hey, Chris, let me ask you a question. I said, has your friend ever come up to you and said, I don't believe in God? He said, yeah, she does that all the time. I said, the next time she does that, look at her when she says that she doesn't believe in God. I said, look at her and say, that's all right. He still believes in you. There's a God that still believes in us. A God that when we're ready to throw in the towel and give up, he says, whosoever will, let him come. He's trying to reel us in. Jesus was tired. He wanted rest. He'd gone to the other side to find a vacation. But when he saw those hungry hearts coming, he had compassion. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down and you feed them. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He takes care of me. He restores me. Listen to Psalms 105, 17 to 22. This is speaking about Joseph. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. There's a time that God chooses to fulfill the dreams he gave you. And when that time comes, nothing can stop it. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. 
the ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over all the king's possessions. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. You feel like your dreams are shattered and that God has forgotten. But God caused the strongest ruler on the earth to come and set Joseph free. He put a staff in his hand, a rod in his hand for him to rule with. And he was able to speak to his, all the kings, all of Pharaoh's advisors, and they had to listen. I just wonder if Joseph went looking for Potiphar. Hey, Pot, need to have a talk. Remember what you did to me? Yeah? Well, you better thank God that I love him. <laughs> How many of you have ever been there before? He gave Joseph a prosperous habitation that was beautiful and pleasant. Say it with me, somewhere God has a green pastor with my name written on it. Isaiah 49, 9 and 10. I will say to the prisoners, come out in freedom. And to those in darkness, come into the light. This is a prophecy concerning the Messiah, concerning Jesus. And this is what Jesus is, will do. So it's what he actually has done and is, going, and is continuing to do. I will say to the prisoners, come out in freedom. And to those in darkness, come into the light. They will be my sheep, grazing in green pastures. And on the hills that were previously bare, they will neither hunger nor thirst. The searing sun will not reach them anymore, for the Lord in his mercy will lead them. He will lead them beside cool waters. Would you stand with me today? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's not for you to spend your life wandering in the desert. It's not for you to feel like that you're a prisoner of your circumstances. He's come to set you free. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Well, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. Well, I might not, but he does. And he's bigger than your problem. He's, you've never had a problem that made God wring his hands and pace heaven's floor going, I don't know what I'm going to do. The Lord is my shepherd. Somebody say it with me, he's mine. Jesus came and he fulfilled that psalm when he stood with those people at that lake. They were sheep. They were like sheep that had no shepherd and he became their shepherd. He commanded them to sit down in the green grass. Here in the book of Isaiah, the prophet declares to us that he will lead us and he will refresh us by the cool waters. How many of you are ready for that right now?
So here's my question. Are any of you old enough to remember when we would share a bottle of pop? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we didn't even wipe the top off. We'd be drinking a bottle of pop here. We only did that with real friends, right? The Bible said, freely you have received, freely give. God's going to give something to you today, right now. But it's not right and it's not fair if he gives it to you and then you hoard it and you don't share it with others. So how many of you willing to share your pop today? Just hold that hand up if you're willing to share it. Pop, something that they used to call dad. You you willing to share your pop? My next door neighbor came to me one time and he said, I wish your dad was my dad because his dad beat him. My dad invited him to go with us when we went fishing. Greg went on camping trips with us and sat down around the table with us. And when he said that, man, I thought about that. And I thought sometimes maybe I take dad for granted. Because here I've got a neighbor that wished that my dad was his dad. And then I lost my dad. The good news is, (laughs) I can never lose my father. I can never lose my father. He's there right now. I want to do two things today, if you will. Just do this with me, would you? I want to talk to you that are watching online and those of you that are in this auditorium as well. Because sometimes we, we, we never really make the commitment. We hang out with folks that do, but we never do it for ourselves. And it's not enough. I can't get to heaven on your coattail. I got to find a relationship with God for me. It's not going to work if I'm trying, you know, we're trying to do rapture practice and I'm hanging on, you know. It's not going to work like that. You've got to have a relationship with God for you. So I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity in this auditorium today and those that are watching online. I want you to pray this prayer with me. And if you'll mean it from your heart and don't tap dance with God. Mean this from your heart and God will answer your prayer. He'll rescue you right now. Church, can we pray together? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I confess before you that I've sinned. I need you to rescue me. I want you to change me. So I repent right now. I turn my back on yesterday. And I say, here I am, God. Save me. I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. 
I thank you for what you did at Calvary and I believe that you raised Christ from the dead. So raise me from this death that I feel right now in Jesus' name. Come on, can you give my hand clap of praise in here? If you prayed that prayer and meant it, there's a change that's happening in you right now. Now for the rest of you that promised you'd share your pop, everybody say, my father. I'm going to share my daddy with others. I want you to raise your hands with me. If you would, just stretch your hands to heaven with me. And look, I, I'm, I'm really serious about this because sometimes what we do is we go to church and then we leave this building and we forget all about God until we get back here. It's, it's easy to get caught up in the routines of life and just start going about everyday life again. I'm telling you, wherever you're at, on your job, in, in, in your vocation, wherever you are, God will give you an opportunity to share if you're willing to. Everybody say, I'm willing. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. God, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to stir up the gift that you've placed inside of me. I want to tell people that you're my shepherd. I want them to know that you've got a place of promise for them. Stir my heart, ignite a fire in my soul, and let me be a witness for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give them a hand clap of praise in here. I'm going to ask them if they would come forward. They're going to sing. If you've got a need, a special need, we're going to ask you to come. We'll pray for you now. Right now, just stretch your hands to heaven as they lead us in this song. Make way through the waters. Walk me through the fire. Do what you are famous for. What you are famous for. Shut the mouths of lions. Bring dry bones to life and do what you are famous for. What you are famous for. Make way through the waters. Walk me through the fire. Do what you are famous for. What you are famous for. Shut the mouths of lions. Bring dry bones to life and do what you are famous for. What you are famous for, God of exceedingly, God of abundantly, more than we ask or think, Lord, you will never fail, your name is powerful, your words unstoppable. I want to pray with you for just a second, but I want to share something with you. And the, 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 so there's a time in your life when you were hurt, and I'm talking about physically, not just emotionally, but physically. Am I telling you the truth? Now, the only way I know that is because he, 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 
spoke to me and said, I want you to share this with her. He said to tell you that his hands will never hurt you, that he has, that he, he truly has the very best for you in mind, but you've been fearful and you've been apprehensive because it's been so hard to get over the past. And so there's been a wall that's been created and it's kind of like a defense mechanism. And God is saying, I want to come through the wall and I want you to know me in a very special way. And sometimes it's like, I feel you push this wall up because of your uncertainties and your, your fears. Church, would you stretch your hands to heaven with me? Snow. Right now, I love that name, Snow. Because when it snows, everything's covered with a white blanket and it all becomes pure. And God is going to cause the snow of his spirit to settle over you and you're going to feel that purity again. Father, I thank you for it right now. Just hold it in your hand. Make way through the waters. Walk me through the fire. Do what you are famous for. What you are famous for. Shut the mouths of lions. Bring dry bones to life. And do what you are famous for. What you are famous for. about that if you study history when Israel was coming through the wilderness when they stopped off at Jericho that had happened 40 years ago and those people were talking like it happened yesterday 
They said, man, when we found out that your God rolled back that sea, they feared God. That's what he was famous for. Do you understand that God hasn't lost any of his power, hasn't lost any of his ability, and he's still famous for setting the captive free. He's, he's still famous for delivering us, still famous for breaking in. Why don't you just stretch your hands to heaven with me right now and say it, God, I believe it. I believe you. I declare it in my... God of exceedingly, God of abundantly, more than we ask or think, Lord, you will never fail. Your name is powerful, your word's unstoppable, all things are possible. love him today you get out of here today I want you to go out with intent in your heart that God is going to use me don't forget next week signs and seasons but I'm telling you I feel something in my spirit there is a there is a war that's going on and it's because the devil knows his time is short and you mark my word God is there's a separating happen happening and God is saying make up your mind which side of this line you want to be on because if you're mine I'm getting ready to pour my spirit out in a way that you've never experienced before you're going to feel his power do you understand God wants us to be a conduit this, we, don't, we don't step out. This move that's happening isn't coming from big evangelists or, or big pastors. It's coming from within the congregation. God is raising us up. He's saying, all right, I want you to stir up the gift I put inside of you. And I want you to move out in power. Everybody say, power. We sing that song, Wonder Working Power. I Next week, for an illustration, I may bring an electrical line. Did you see what happened in the Oh, you weren't here in the first service. Did you see what happened in that first service if you were here? Boom! <laughs> and we were in the dark. For a minute, I thought the Lord had come back, but I thought, no, I'm still here. So, <laughs> Just that quick, just that quick, just that quick. And I'm telling you, He's not coming back soon. He's coming back quickly. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in this house. Make way through the waters, walk me through the fire. Do what you are famous for, what you are famous for. Shut the mouth.
great tribal zoo.